Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-Centered Leader in Confessional Broadcasting. Worldwide KFUO, online at kfuo.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, we read through the book of Concord, our Lutheran confessions of what we believe, teach, and confess on the basis of Scripture. And to do that, we have a couple of Christ-confessing Concordians. Today with me, your host, Pastor Sean Smith, is Pastor Ben Ball, who is the senior pastor at St. Paul in Hamill, Illinois. He's also the sixth vice president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, the central region. We're very honored and blessed to have you with us here today, Pastor Ball. Hey, it's great to be here. It's still uh, funny to get used to both of those titles, you know, that I'm actually a pastor. Yeah, it's it's kind of a long, like, I feel like I have a long you know, pastor of a dual parish, Emmanuel yeah. in St. Paul's in Southern Illinois. I don't always say that every week, but uh, uh, yeah, I feel like it's kind of long at the bottom of my emails and things <laughs> like that, but yours is ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, definitely honored uh, to have you on, it's a great faithful to be confessor here. Uh, that you. you are in the church as well. And today we are going to continue to push forward in the epitome of the formula of Concord. And uh, we um, basically wrapped up uh, Article 2 last week. Um, just a reminder, that's on the free will um, or the, the, the article of the free will and uh, follows Article 1 on sin original sin, that is. And uh, I, I say basically wrapped up because technically we didn't read a couple of paragraphs, but we had definitely talked about those things. And so we're just, we're going to push forward and start a new article today. And uh, this article is Article 3, The Righteousness of Faith Before God, um, can also be called that article upon which the church stands or falls, as we've covered in the Augsburg Confession and the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, that article on justification, how is one justified and made right, righteous uh, in God's sight. And so uh, definitely a key article of our Lutheran Christian faith, the Christian faith of the Bible. And uh, and so we will be digging into that today. As we jump into it, though, Pastor Ball, any kind of opening remarks, thoughts uh, uh, that you'd like to uh, to share before we, we start reading? Well, as you mentioned, it is the chief article of our Christian faith and a, the article upon which the church stands or falls, and thankfully we're standing, and we are secure in our righteousness before God for the sake of our Savior Jesus Christ, his all-sufficient work on our behalf, the grace of his Father, which is revealed in his holy life, his death and resurrection, and his ascension, and that faith comes to us as a free gift and it's faith that apprehends and holds on to the merits of Christ. And by that faith, God counts us not guilty. That's what the article is about. That's what our faith is about. This not guilty declaration that we are so privileged to hear from God that soothes our consciences and grants peace to our souls and gives life. I like what you said there. We are standing. And I think you even said, by God's grace, we are standing. And that's just 
a really faithful confession of what this article is all about. I, w- I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this in today or not, but uh, I am going to now. So I recently, uh, last week, I was up in Fort Wayne for the Symposia series up there. And uh, as you have a six-hour drive there and back and so forth, I, I have the opportunity to listen to audiobooks. And I listened to this audiobook called Seculosity uh, by David Zoll uh, as I was driving up there. And Interestingly, he, he's a Christian, you know, and he's talking about all of the the secular things that we look for our righteousness in. That's basically my my paraphrase of it. And and it was just it was highlighting my own idols all along and so forth. But I thought it was a really well laid out look at how indeed we we try to find our standing in so many things of life. I mean, we worship the created things rather than the creator, as Roman says, things like that, right? And, and, and he laid out well, you know, exactly what we do. We, we look for righteousness in our families. We look for righteousness in technology. We look for righteousness. You know, and, and, and what made me think of it is, as, as you said there, we are standing. We find, we try to look for our standing in a whole lot of things. It's the very nature of idolatry. Um, but by God's grace, we are standing before him because he has made us righteous through the death and resurrection of his son. That's exactly right. And, and the thing is, uh, it's funny how, you know, we started talking about silly titles. Um, if I, uh, would find my security and rest in any kind of title I had apart from the actual title of child of God and righteous for Jesus' sake, everything's going to fall apart. And I can't put hope and confidence in myself or anything I could achieve because that will never give me lasting comfort, nor will it give me the proper standing before my Father in heaven. I cannot hold to my own righteousness in any way, in any shape or form. And think that at the last day, I'll be able to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. At the last day, what will matter is the righteousness that comes to me as a free gift through faith in the merits of Christ alone. Which is a sort of confession we actually need from our synod vice presidents, you know, <laughs> even though you may be sixth in line or something like that, you know, it's like, you know, never going to happen if it was the, to become king of England or something. You know, you're so far down the line. No, I'm just, but uh, but seriously, no, that is the, that is the kind of mentality, because, again, that's, uh, you know, one of the things that that seculosity book really highlighted for me is just, yeah, we, we do. We look for our standing and titles and so forth. See what I've achieved you know, yeah. and, and others respect me enough to vote me into this and, uh, you know, all sorts of other things. And it can be really tempting. It's definitely a lure of the sinful flesh to find security and standing in that. Um, but to recognize that our standing as a child of God is the highest calling. Um, would that all of our parishioners, all of our pastors um, have that mentality? Again, it's it's the article upon which the church stands or falls. And when we don't, that's when we find ourselves falling. And then we get upset at God and things like that. Why aren't you letting your church survive? And, uh, you know, is there any hope? And it's like, well, no, it just you've gotten mixed up a little bit too much in there, right? You know, a little too much of yourself. For you know? sure. Uh Senate First Vice President Peter Lang preached at uh, International Center Chapel this morning, and I encourage all of our listeners to go uh, and find that uh, sermon, which will be on the KFUO website. And he talked about this, because uh, in this week's Old Testament reading from 2 Kings, it's the story of Naaman, and he doesn't want to do what the prophet tells him will give him healing. There's got to be something else, right? I mean, we got lots of better rivers where I'm from than this dirty Jordan. And um, Pastor Lang said, but that's how we become children of God. In God's 
means, the water and the word of promise. And it's through that word of promise tied to water that creates faith in us, that the righteousness of God is given to us freely as a gift. We don't want to turn aside from these things. Who am I? I'm a child of God. I'm righteous for God gave his only beloved son for me. And he gives me a spirit, the gift of faith. And here I stand, not guilty for Jesus' sake. It's great. And that's why this is the gospel. And all everything in the life of the church is then ordered and directed toward this preaching. Everything. And everything that we do is for the justification of the sinner before God. So that's why this article is... It's crucial. It's the center of our faith, and we got to get it straight. Absolutely, because <laughs> there definitely were some folks that were not getting it straight. <laughs> that's right, and that's why we have the confession of this article. Hence, uh, uh, even though Article Four of the Augsburg Confession and its apology, you would think that it would be squared away, <laughs> but we find out that by the time of the writing of the Formula of Concord, there are still controversies, and it's not squared away. Yeah, it's it's that Article 4, uh, the uh, Apology of the Augsburg Confession, that we spent about two years making mm-hmm. our way through on this radio show. I emailed you about this and said, you know, that's why we're not doing the solid declarations. <laughs> Good right. reminder for our listeners, too. We'll, we'll have references to it. Be- but you get into that more detail, and you would think that that would be enough. I mean, two years on this radio show, yes. uh, it, it's, it's a lengthy lengthy, detailed, very faithful theology of what we believe, teach, and confess when it comes to justification, and yet there were still issues in the church. Well, and this is this is why we still have um, the opportunity to confess, to study the Book of Concord. It's, it's for the clarity of confession so that people would have their consciences put at ease. God's mercy and his grace. This is the point of the Lutheran Reformation in the first place. I mean, Luther, it, it starts with an, ind- an indulgence controversy, but it ends up really being a controversy about justification. And that's what it was. In, in every different aspect and point of doctrine, you know, the gospel is this precious jewel. And that's what this article is about. Yeah, and as we've highlighted on this show before, and certainly will continue to do, because this is such a central doctrine, uh, you know, and, and we even do it this way, too, in relating back to the things that we've already covered, like in Article 1 with original sin. A lot of times your your misunderstandings and your false teachings uh, when it comes to the article of just, on justification relates back to a misdiagnosis uh, of original sin. Uh, so all of these things are, are kind of they're like spokes on a wheel, right? They're all That's right. They're all interconnected together at the hub. But this this is definitely I, I would say the hub because the hub is Christ and it's all about who he is and what he's done exactly um, that it comes back to this and so we'll continue to reference this article and all of the articles coming up because it's usually as you said like at the Reformation it's ultimately a justification issue and this is actually the fun thing about studying the Bible or then by extension delving into the book of Concord because you can you, you can always all the doctrine which we confess that comes to us from God's word, it is completely interrelated. There's no one point of doctrine that is somehow inconsequential. Like it doesn't matter. It all connects back to the chief article by way of law or gospel uh, in one way or another. But you can't just hack off like Christology and say, well, that, yeah, okay. Uh, 
your Nicene and Constantinople, not Neapolitan doctrines, the Nicene Creed. Yeah, those are, yeah, they're, I guess they're important, but what really matters is the gospel. No, you don't have a gospel <laughs> unless you have the person of the Son of God who is eternally the Son from the Father, right? It all has to go together in one way or another, and it does. And that makes the real joy and excitement of studying the Bible and, again, by extension, our book of Concord, because you see how all these things all work together, all towards our eternal salvation and the resurrection at the last day when we stand before our Father in heaven in great joy and our Lord Jesus Christ says, Come, you blessed of my Father, and receive the inheritance that's been prepared for you before the foundation of the world. That's the thing. That's what we're looking forward to. Absolutely. And not to belabor the point too much, but at least in my own life, and, and I think is true for faithful Christians, is that you then begin to see this impacting all of your life, that even the paraphrase I gave of that book that I was uh, listening to, Seculosity, I mean, he wasn't explicitly talking in those terms of righteousness before God um, or, you know, our justification. I mean, he is a Christian, and I, I think it's behind all of it. But, you know, I'm listening to this audio book, you know, with that running through my mind. And it's like, you're right. This, this, this is really a justification issue, right? How am I, where am I finding my security? Where am I finding my standing before God? And, and so you, you start to see how theology then becomes ultimately very, very practical. That's right. right? It, it definitely impacts the daily living of your life and how you see your life and your vocation, how you see uh, your, 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 the growth in knowledge and everything else, right? It just starts, it, it's running in the background when you're thinking biblically and confessionally along these lines. That's right. That's so, right. So let's dig into this then and go ahead and let that uh, form and shape us some more. So uh, as, as has been stated on here before, uh, the, the, the epitome of the formula of Concord is really, really healthily laid out in, in a very, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Organized way. That's the word I'm looking for. Very organized. And so it always begins the status of the controversy. So, you know, what, what, what is going on here? What is the controversy always about or about actually about and, and helpful to point out again here, as I have on uh, the last several weeks that uh, this section is really helpful for us because we're not just talking about, you know, the righteousness of God is maybe a little more direct than like original sin and things like that. We're, like when we're talking about original sin, it's it's not just the generalities of sin. Is there even sin? Those sorts of things. I mean, those are running in the background, but it was talking about a very specific controversy that had arisen with regards to the teaching on original sin. And the same thing is going to happen here in terms of this article of justification. So again, Augsburg Confession, Apology Augsburg Confession, Article 4, very detailed on the teaching on justification. This is going to be addressing specific issues that have arisen with regard to that teaching then. And then it'll move into affirmative statements. So uh, what we do believe, teach, and confess on the basis of Scripture when it comes to the righteousness of faith before God. And then it'll get, jump into the negative statements, which we probably will not get to today. Um, but, uh, you know, those, those errors that are rejected and condemned that are false teachings. So just a reminder of that. Also, reminder, we are using the Concordia, the Lutheran Confessions, a reader's edition of the Book of Concord available to you from Concordia Publishing House, the publishing arm of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And again, epitome of the formula of Concord, Article 3 of the righteousness of faith before God. This is paragraph one, the status of the controversy, the chief question in this controversy. 
It is unanimously, unanimous, wow, can't even make it third word. <laughs> I'm your host. It is unanimously confessed in our churches in accordance with God's word and the meaning of the Augsburg Confession that we poor sinners are justified before God and saved alone through faith in Christ. Christ alone is our righteousness, who is true God and man, because in him the divine and human natures are personally united with each other, citing Jeremiah 23, 6, 1 Corinthians 1, 30, and 2 Corinthians 5, 21. The question has arisen, according to which nature is Christ our righteousness? From this, two opposing errors have arisen in some churches. One side has held that Christ, according to his divinity alone, is our righteousness, if he dwells in us through faith. Contrasted with this divinity dwelling in us through faith, the sins of all people must be regarded as a drop of water compared to a great ocean. Others, on the contrary, have held that Christ is our righteousness before God, according to his human nature alone. And that's the end of paragraph two. We'll pause here before jumping into the affirmative statements. So basically laying out the status of the controversy here is we have we have two opposing errors that have arisen, right? According to which nature is Christ our righteousness? Is it according to his divine nature or according to his human nature? And since both of those are errors, obviously it's bold. <laughs> um, and, and we'll get into that affirmative statements. But go ahead and break that down. For yeah, so what's interesting is well, what's very crucial is it defines... Uh, that in accordance with God's word and our Augsburg Confession already, how are we justified? So we established in Article 1 of the Formula Concord again that we are poor sinners. So how are poor sinners not guilty, absolved, righteous before God, declared as such? Well, that happens through faith alone in Christ Jesus. He's our righteousness He's true God and true man. So then you see now this becomes a Christological issue. This is about Jesus. And as it always is, <laughs> of course, it, it goes back to, uh, you know, your Sunday school answer, right? It's Jesus. So who is he and what has he done? And then what does that mean for me, the poor sinner? So is it just that he, uh, because he is the eternal God, uh, that I am righteous, or is it simply because he was truly a man who able was able to fulfill the law uh, on this earth that I'm righteous, or is he the one man who is God in flesh, two natures united in one person who has accomplished all the fulfillment of the law that is necessary? laid his life as an atoning sacrifice as only the Son of God could for the whole world, and then, by his word and spirit, creates faith that I might be not guilty before his Father on account of what he's done. So that's what the answer ends up being. But it becomes really, it's a Christological issue. Who is Jesus? Uh, what does his identity and the proper confession of who he is then uh, relate to me as one who is in need of a righteousness that I could never attain on my own. I, I, I like how you immediately did. I think it was the first time, at least that you've been on with me uh, yes. as on the show. <laughs> yes, yes. But you've jumped right into what it seems like we, we bring up every single week. Ultimately, this is always about Jesus. And, and I like how you highlighted earlier, you know, there, there's that temptation out in there, out there in the church because we see, you know, 
by divisions and heresies, distress, as we sing in the hymn and so forth. That, that it's just life in the church militant is, is quite messy and filled with a lot of fighting. And there's, and there's a great desire, I think a Christian desire, to not have so much fighting in the church. But I think sometimes we move in unhelpful ways where we try to say things like you brought in earlier. Well, let's just, you know, agree on the gospel. Well, but here's the problem, right? Is what, what is the gospel? Yes. Who is Jesus and what has he done? Because it falls apart in, in the sin issue in Article 1, right? When, as, as the Roman Catholics confessed at the time of the Reformation, right, that he just removes the guilt and makes it possible for you not to sin, right? And, and that's going to kind of come in here a little bit, too, in the righteousness of faith before God, right? Well, now, now you've just changed what you said the gospel is. What has Jesus done on the cross? What has it accomplished, right? Um, and same thing here, right? So is it only according to his divine nature? Well, I would say at least at stake there is, is, well, then why did he have to take on human flesh? Why, mm-hmm. why did Jesus even come to this earth? That's right. Right? And if it's only according to his human nature, then why does he need to be God coming down to earth? Why couldn't we just take a good, righteous guy? You know, why couldn't Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob take care of it in the Old Testament and not have so much waiting, right? Uh, and so that we, we start to see the, the crux of the issue, if I may uh, have a little bit of a pun there, mm-hmm. um, uh, about, uh, you know, where this comes together is, who is Jesus and what has he done there on the cross? What is the gospel? And if you remove these, you start pulling these things out, it changes the gospel message. And so then we don't have agreement. And that's why our confessions matter. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then you think about even going back to the Augsburg Confession and what's necessary for the unity of the church is the gospel preached in all its articles and the sacraments administered according to Christ's institution. So the gospel is the totality, speaking in the wide sense, of all Christian doctrine. All of it. And there, in that confession of all of Christian doctrine, do we find our unity in a God-pleasing life. Because it's in all the articles of the gospel that God has shown to us his mercy for poor sinners. And so that gospel in this kind of wide sense even means the law like what did jesus actually have to die for real sins and they all have names and we know what their names are because god's told us in his 10 commandments and you can see these are the real things they're not made up they're not just kind of flights of fancy that god could kind of uh wave his hand at no they need to be atoned for a blood sacrifice, a death. And that's exactly what the Son of God offered and did. And, and to build on to that, too, and th- this was really foundational for me. I, I guess it was back in college when I really started digging into the Book of Concord, as I probably should have been doing before, and got to Article 1 in the Formula of Concord, and it was like a light bulb came on me. It's like, why have I never heard this in the church before? I mean, Lutheran, grew up in the Lutheran church, right? Um, but that it's not just the actual sins, which are definitely a part of it, right? And Christ, these are actual sins that Christ has atoned for there on the cross. But that sinful nature, yes. right, that is actual guilt before God, that I, by my very nature, am sinful and unclean. Yeah, and then that, that gets to, talking about Christology again, why did why was the son of God born of a virgin? Mm-hmm. What, well, that gets to the issue, the issue of he has no original sin. He is conceived by the Holy Spirit without original sin, without the aid of a man. And so now who is this Jesus, right? His his 
Father is God, who is conceived without sin, but takes on flesh to bear ours. So, again, everything's coming together here in this article. Yeah, it's it's definitely the hub. Are we ready to move in? Now that we've laid out what the controversy and what kind of the two errors that we're working with here are, let's get into the affirmative statements of what we do believe, teach, and confess on the basis of Scripture. So this is affirmative statement number one, paragraph three of the epitome of formula, the epitome of the formula of Concord, article three. Against both the errors just mentioned, we unanimously believe, teach, and confess that Christ is our righteousness, citing 1 Corinthians one thirty, neither according to his divine nature alone, nor according to his human nature alone. But it is the entire Christ who is our righteousness according to both natures. In his obedience alone, which as God and man he offered to the Father, even to his death, Philippians 2.8, he merited for us the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. For it is written, for as by the one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous, citing Romans, or actually quoting Romans 5, verse 19. So that's just what you were getting to, and I almost threw the Romans quote in there, but I (laughs) thankfully had done my homework and read ahead and knew that it was coming up, but that's exactly what we're just talking about, right? Yes, and it is so beautiful um, when it speaks here of the sacrifice of Jesus offering himself to his father. And you think that he is the high priest who does not bring in uh, the blood of an animal to uh, make atonement. He offers his own flesh, his own blood. And it's by that offering that we have the forgiveness of our sins. This is, it's, it's, it's the beautiful gospel that when you think about it, sometimes it, it fills you with such joy, it brings tears to your eyes. This is what my Lord did for me before his father. And of course, it gets to his love for his father. He is keeping the law. He's keeping the first commandment as only he can because he's the sinless one. So he can fear love and trust in his father above all things, and he does. And this is why he can say in his death, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He trusts his father, that his father will raise him from the dead. And of course, his father did. And all this was for the whole world, and it's for you and for me and everybody who's listening. This is what Jesus did for you. And it's what fills you with joy and peace. It's what... uh eases your conscience. It's what takes away the fear of death itself. That the son of God gave his life as an offering before his father. And so in his death and resurrection, he has merited for you the forgiveness of your sins and an eternal life. And you can't merit it for yourself. That's St. Paul in Galatians 2, right? If a righteousness can be gained by the law, then Christ died for nothing. Well, a righteousness cannot be gained by the law. The righteousness of faith comes by the gospel, the law fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. It all comes together in Jesus, the whole Jesus for you. That's Pastor Ben Ball. Please join us right after this break.
Did you know that many LCMS military personnel and their families are unable to receive Word and Sacrament ministry due to the lack of LCMS chaplains? Ministry to the Armed Forces is looking for pastors who will answer the call to serve as a chaplain to provide Word and Sacrament ministry to the men and women who selflessly serve our nation. Find out more about this exciting ministry by contacting me, Chaplain Craig Mueller, at lcmschaps at lcms.org. That is lcmschaps at lcms.org. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Orazio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Welcome back to Concord Matters. Again, we have Pastor Ben Ball with us today. He's senior pastor at St. Paul in Hamill, Illinois, and is also sixth vice president of the Central Region of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. But he doesn't stand on those titles. He stands on the higher title, that of child of God. That is his righteousness of faith before God, as we continue to talk about in the epitome of the formula of Concord, Article 3 here. And again, I always forget to introduce myself, but I'm your host, Pastor Sean Smith. And I don't matter anyway, but I am also a child of God, so I matter in that sense. But we're glad that you joined us again after the break. And uh, uh, Pastor Ball, it, it went out over the airways, and so we might as well just jump right to it here. But <laughs> Pastor Ball wanted to give a shout out on the radio. I mean, this is so 1990s giving radio shout outs. It is. But. Well, and I, I shouldn't have, have my phone in front of me while we're doing this either, but uh, my dear member Jean sent a note during the last segment, and so I want to say hi to her because she's listening right now. So I'm glad you're listening, Jean. Thanks. And I, I want to thank you for listening to Gene. Uh, it's, it's a great blessing to be able to do this show where we just simply talk about our, our confession of the Lutheran faith. As, as it comes to us from scripture and uh, it's listeners that, that uh, you know, it's the only reason I have a show. Um, I, I'd be doing it in the parish. And uh, but anyway, I'm glad that your dear saints at uh, your wonderful congregation there uh, tune in. So thanks for that. It is nice. Um, it, it's actually a miracle, of course, every Sunday morning that God draws people to come in and hear preaching. It's the miraculous thing that happens every Sunday that he is calling people to come and hear his word and they hear the call to come and hear his word and they do. And they do it on the radio too. They listen to you. It's Absolutely. Great. And and as we always, it bears repeating, as we confess these things again and again from generation to generation, that the faithful teaching of scripture uh, continue to be passed on. And when we abandon that, it, it falls off. And, but it, this also bears repeating in confession as well, is that the radio is not church. That's of true. So, so uh, we always want to reiterate that. And uh, I'm thankful for the two congregations that I serve. And, and one of the joys for me, I grew up in St. Louis listening to KFO, so it's just a joy to be able to, to be on KFO for that. But um, um, one of the things that I've found in the parish is the, 
you know, we, we always want to teach our people and we want faithful resources to, to send them to where they can get more of that because there's only so much we can do, especially most of my hospital visits end up here in St. Louis. That's an hour and a half away, three hours on the road. Um, you know, that's three hours less for a Bible study opportunity back down there in Southern Illinois where I am. However, you know, so if I can contribute in a little way and then bring in pastors, uh, so I only have a once a week show. So that's why it's been a while until you gotten on here is I, I got a whole list I got to work yeah, through and get, get to several guys and so forth. But I like bringing in the pastors and then hopefully Hopefully this becomes a resource that we can, that is faithful. I pray for that every time I come in, in the studio, but also uh, that uh, then becomes another resource as uh, the shows here on KFU hopefully are um, that uh, we send our people to uh, recognizing that they desire more teaching, um, not supplanting what we get in the local congregation. That's, that's first and foremost, uh, but then becomes a resource that uh, they can get more teaching uh, and if we all just contribute in small ways, it's, then we don't all have to do it uh, as as uh, time doesn't always allow in the, the local parish. So, again, sincerely from from the bottom of my heart, uh, thank you, Gene, and all the other listeners. Um, I, I sometimes joke I have five listeners of this show. I might I might be up to six now uh, with Gene. So uh, that's why I bring the sixth vice president on. Well, he brings okay, an so audience with him. Your mom, dad, wife, son. <laughs> And, and son in the womb <laughs> or child in the womb, I should say. I don't know that it's a son, but uh, yeah. Anyway, let's get back to the faithful confession uh, and not just talking about why it's good to have the show, but to actually do it. Um, so we're into the affirmative statements and we just read affirmative statement number one. And that it uh, it really does. It comes all together in Christ. He is our righteousness, the whole Christ, um, not just according to his divine nature only, not just according to his human nature only, but the whole Christ. He is our righteousness. So we're going to go on. And, and I, I love how in this article we just get this line again and again. It's all throughout the formula of Concord, but, but it's just the, that beautiful line that I use even in the opening of my show that we believe, teach, and confess these things. These things come to us from Scripture. This is the teaching of Scripture, and this is what we believe, this is what we teach, and this is what we confess uh, on the basis of Scripture then. So I love how that line gets repeated again and again. So this is... Um, Affirmative Statement 2, Paragraph 4 of the third article of the Epitome of the Formula of Concord. We believe, teach, and confess what our righteousness before God is this. God forgives our sins out of pure grace, without any work, merit, or worthiness of ours preceding, present, or following. He presents and credits to us the righteousness of Christ's obedience, Romans five seventeen through 19 Because of this righteousness, we are received into grace by God and regarded as righteous. So this is this is an interesting thing that I don't want to jump just directly to our present context, although we're, we're confessing in our present context. I, I think we would tend to agree in our American context with the the statement of this until it gets to the the following part there that it says that God forgives our sins out of pure grace without any work, merit or worthiness of ours preceding present or following. And and you can go in whatever direction you want with this um, whole paragraph and affirmative statement. But that one strikes me as, as bearing some talking about because a lot of times there's this idea that comes from what I call American evangelicalism, just to use a broad term. 
um, that, uh, you know, of, of course, you know, the Reformation dealt with, you know, it's not our works uh, or merit um, that, that we come to Christ with or, or that we have at the present time, um, but they should be there and evident following afterwards. But we're saying it's not even on the basis of following. This is a permanent statement. This is something we agree with. So, so I don't know if you want to address that and some other things. Please go ahead. Well, there's a couple things to follow up on that point. Um, that is the confusion of justification and sanctification. So, um, what you just expressed was a confusion of those two. Because yes, good works do follow the righteousness of faith, and they should. They must. As and we'll have an article on that. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's later. Um, but that does not add to our righteousness or our standing before God. That alone comes through the merits of Christ, which are given to us freely as a gift. So it's very important. Also, what's understood here following is that we can't merit our righteousness even after we die. That's also important to know. So in the Roman system, of course, if uh, the works uh, were not achieved, which would merit your justification on this earth, then you would go to purgatory and uh, do those penances, which would be necessary for you to finally receive justification before God and then be uh, accepted into heaven. So that's this afterward part. That doesn't count either. That's not going to happen. It either is, it is Christ or it's not. Either you're righteous before God for Jesus' sake or you're not righteous and you can't merit it either before in the past now or even in the future it's not going to happen yeah that i i didn't even make the immediate connection although i should i mean it's like the, the what the whole reformation is about right and so, as we that's why i earlier. brought it up yeah but but yeah i mean this this is this is uh definitely present at the time of the reformation so again you would think why why is there why is there this error in the church? I mean, it seemed like we had a whole reformation about this, and yet that 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 false teaching still is coming in here. Any other comments that you wanted to make on this affirmative statement? Oh, boy. Well, we better keep on going just for the sake of time. We could talk about this all day, this particular one, but it's very, it, I mean, it, again, it's of the gospel. And the fact that God forgives our sins, and that great word, two words, pure grace, uh, and complete unmerited favor from eternity that has been in the mind of God and is revealed in his son here in time to us through his gospel. That's pure. Um, and it, it's the best news of, of God's gracious disposition towards us sinners. Yeah, I've I've been saying on this show, it's, it feels like for the last two years or something now, where it, it ultimately... Our confessions tend to boil down to this central idea. Who is Christ and what has he done or what has he mm -hmm. accomplished? And and when we believe the purity of the gospel, that it is Christ, true God and true man, who has suffered in our place on the cross and gives to us his righteousness, that we may be truly righteous before God, our Heavenly Father. It's pure grace. That's, that's who Christ is. That's what he's done. That's what he's accomplished. And ours is not to, uh, you know, earn that in any kind of way because you can't, right? But but that we simply believe it. And so it, it brings me back to that phrase that I said I really love. Like, this is what we believe teaching yes, confess. that's right. And, and we're not trying to be jerks about this. We're not just looking around to point out, oh, you've got an error and so forth. But when, when and, and I think we can, we can talk, I mean, 
um, there's a, there's actually a, a radio show out there um, uh, that uh, you know kind of evaluates uh, Chris Rosebro, uh, evaluates uh, other sermons and so forth, and kind of breaks them down and and says, "Well, see, this is where it kind of goes off track and so forth." And uh, you know, sometimes those things take place in the church. And, and you say, oh, you're just trying to be jerks and just trying to point out error. And you're always looking for the error. And it's like, no, see, this is this is actually why it's really important, because it's what we believe. It's also what we teach and it's what we confess. Yeah. And when it's not being faithfully taught and confessed, it's leading people into error, which destroys faith, because then you start believing, well, then it's Christ plus me. And I need I need these I need these things following in my life. Right. Uh, to 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 show that. I have this faith, right? And it just it gets to be such a mess. And so not not about being jerks. It's what we believe, teach, and confess. And that's what we've said we're going to do, and that's what we're going to do. Exactly. And, of course, it, it does come down to, uh, for pastors, how do we actually care for those who need to hear it? So a couple of days ago, I did a, a commendation for a dear saint who ended up dying this morning. And our one of our associate pastors was with him when he died. And... It was such a joy to speak the words of the gospel to him of the free and it was uh, wife and children who were there at the deathbed, right? That all his sins are forgiven. Everything was answered for by, by Jesus Christ. And he can commend himself to his loving father and die without fear for Jesus' sake. And that's why we so vociferously hold to the pure doctrine for the comfort of someone who's dying and for the comfort of those who mourn that this is the faith into which you were baptized, what Christ gave you. And now the fullness of what Christ gave you will be seen as he brings you through death into his father's kingdom and then the resurrection to come. And so that beloved saint's funeral is going to be Friday. And that's what the people will hear of this gospel doctrine of the justification of that saint, Paul, and what Christ has given to him even now. Yeah, I, I love I love our Christian rights when it uh, uh, pertains to dying. As you talk about the commendation of the dying, it's just such a beautiful practice. Uh, and I'm glad that it had kind of fallen out of use in the church uh, somewhat and, and has been recovered very helpfully so because it is such a beautiful proclamation of the pure gospel it brings such comfort um to to family to the to the one dying mm -hmm. um to hear that gospel again and then the the christian funeral right just beautiful you know this is you know christ's righteousness that covers all his sin i i, I almost get teary-eyed every time i speak yes. those words and that's the that's the words i want to hear i, I don't want to hear a single like I may be dictating how I want my funeral sermon to go. I don't know. But like sometimes <laughs> I get Smith, really are troubled. You listening? Yeah, I get, tr I tell her all the time, I have very strict rules for how things will go when I die. Uh, big crucifix gravestone and everything. But, but uh, yeah, so the, the, uh, you know, you know, sometimes there's the temptation to talk too much about the person. I don't want to talk about the person at all in a Christian funeral. I just want to talk about Christ. Yeah. This is who he is and what he's done and, and, and all of their sins. And, and, and there's a place to, to reference the faith that they had in Christ, right? So there's a place to reference, um, you know, helpful ways that this was evident in their, their works life. do follow them, yeah, right? Right. And so, uh, and, and, and 
yeah, we could go off on a, quite a bit on a tangent, but uh, just just the beautiful comfort. And so this this confession then, as I often say, becomes utterly practical. It is where the rubber hits the road, right there in the hour of death, spoken in the commendation of the dying. Call your pastor if you're on your deathbed, right? right? Re- receive that assurance of the forgiveness of your sins. Hear it again uh, and die in peace. I, I, I would wish that for anyone, right? Um, and then and then the great assurance and comfort that we have in the Christian funeral, right, that follows after that, that says their sins are forgiven. Pure grace from God. That is what Christ, this is who Christ is and what he has done. That's right. Uh, it, it just, it, it really does become utterly practical, our Lutheran confession. So let's push forward then and get into uh, uh, affirmative statement number three. This is paragraph five. We believe, teach, and confess that faith alone is the means and instrument through which we lay hold of Christ. So in Christ, we lay hold of that righteousness that benefits us before God. Romans one seventeen. For whose sake this faith is credited to us for righteousness. Romans 4, 5. All right, a couple of things. Again, we could talk a whole long time about this, but but at least maybe hit on, obviously this stands against any sorts of works righteousness, which we've highlighted. But, but you know, even in saying, you know, faith alone lays hold of this, maybe talk about how sometimes we turn faith into a work then. Yes, it's important to note that, um, well, this will actually... Uh, be dealt with in the next couple um, theses, but faith is a gift in and of itself. It does not come by our own work, but it is the pure gift of the Holy Ghost through the gospel. And it, it is the instrument by which this righteousness is given to us. And so let's just, we had a baptism at our church uh, on Sunday. So as a good example... And those who've been catechized and are Lutherans, you've heard this term, means of grace. We've been talking about God's grace here. So the Holy Sacrament of Baptism is a means by which God gives his grace to a person. Well, how then is that grace received? It's received through faith. How is that faith given? By the Holy Spirit in that same means of the gospel and the sacrament itself. So it all ends up being in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. So faith is the instrument by which God gives us his grace and the righteousness that alone uh, comes in Christ. And that faith itself is also a gift. So the whole thing is by God's grace for us. There's a, uh, I haven't worked a CFW Walther quote into the uh, show yet. And I usually do that at least once a week. Uh, so uh, um, I feel like I need to at this point there. And, and I usually paraphrase them because I can't remember exact quotes. Um, but uh, Walther talks about this idea of laying hold in his great work, Law and Gospel. And he describes as laying hold as the heart that comes to rest mm-hmm. in the gospel of Christ. 
right? So it, it, it's impossible to view it as a work then. And I think especially infant baptism is a beautiful image of this because, you know, Christ himself says faith like a little child, right? What can that child do? He can't lay hold of it himself, but it believes and trust, right? Comes to rest in this right. uh, assurance that my mom will feed me as, as I see with my uh, one-year-old son, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and likewise, you know, that's what Walter's describing is that faith then becomes, you know, this is objectively what Christ is done. This is who he is and what he has done, right? And and my faith just simply comes to rest in that and says, thank God. That's right. <laughs> Pure grace. That's Love right. it. Uh, thank you, Jesus. And right? holds and just holds on to the work of Christ. And let's go of everything else. Yeah. And uh, I always, when, when we, when I think about that, I always think about a mighty fortress is our God and take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife. Let these all be gone. And that, boy, like, could I actually do that and let go of everything? All my goods, my, my family, my life itself? Well, yes, because I'm holding on to the one thing that does not change, and it's the mercy and merit of Christ alone, and through him, I've got all things. And the kingdom. The kingdom ours remains. That's right. Yeah. Our victory has been won. I mean, yeah, it, that is such, of course, it's Luther, but it's such a beautiful hymn. And, and, and again, becomes utterly practical when, when I stopped asking the question, you know, that, that you just asked, you know, could I do that? Right. And I started to see that in my life, these things were just taken from me because <laughs> yes. that old evil foe works to destroy mm-hmm. it. Right. And and just the trials and temptations that you face when these things are being stripped away from you in the sin broken world, you begin to think about Job. Right. And and then that leads you to the beautiful confession that Luther makes in the hymn and that Job makes in the book of Job. Right. You know that our Redeemer lives. That's right. right? And at the last, I shall see him in my flesh. And that's by the pure grace of God. And we come to rest in that. And, and it's and it's not of strength of our own. I'm butchering the hymn, but not not of strength <laughs> of our own, right? Um, but uh, but but in the strength of Christ and what he has that's objectively right. done in his gospel. Yep. All right, let's push forward then. Uh, we are on to uh, affirmative statement number four, paragraph six of Article 3, Epitome of the Formula of Concord. We believe, teach, and confess that this faith is not a bare knowledge of Christ's history, but it is God's gift, Ephesians 2, 8. We're just talking about that. By this gift, we come to the right knowledge of Christ as our Redeemer in the word of the gospel, and we trust in him for the sake of his obedience alone. And we have by grace the forgiveness of sins and are regarded as holy and righteous before God the Father and are eternally saved. Yeah, it comes in as our Redeemer in the word of the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, as Romans says, right? It is, um, it's such a great joy that he is the Christ of history, right? So he actually did do these things. But the mere uh, knowledge of the facts does not credit us with his righteousness, because, of course, the devil knows the facts. The facts are crucial. But it's the gift of the facts. The gift that it was um, 
it was for you. This right, this is, it gets to, we must be given a right knowledge of who he is in the objective word of the gospel. So this is, it wouldn't be like, hey, Sean, tell me what Jesus means to you. That's not a really good question to ask. It'd be like, hey, Sean, how does Jesus reveal himself in his word in the gospel? Now, this is where the Christian questions and answers are really helpful. If, uh, if you're familiar with them, our listeners, there are 20 questions and answers in our small catechism. They're in our hymnal. And they're questions written up by Martin Luther to help us prepare to receive the sacrament of the altar. And there's the question in there that asks, how do you know this? That is, of the mercy and grace of God. Well, by the gospel, the words of institution of the sacrament, and by his very body and blood that he gives to me in the sacrament, these objective means outside of me. How do I know what he's done? Well, he's told me in his word, in his gospel, in his body and blood that he gives to me. Those are the things whereby I come to a right knowledge of God, of Christ, as the one who is my redeemer, who's paid the price for my salvation. And in him, all forgiveness is given and in whom I'm holy and righteous before God. And as he says earlier in the catechism, too, I love highlighting this. Whoever believes these words and promises has what they say. Has what they say. <laughs> I mean, right. It's just, it's like, wow, it's amazing. And, and, and then, again, utterly practical and just entirely humbling when you consider what Christ does then through the power of his word. I, I was asked not too long ago, you know, what's the most impactful thing that you've done in ministry, right? And I think they had kind of a business world mentality. Who in the world is and, asking and, you those questions? And my wife, uh, my, wife, away. my wife wanted to uh, <laughs> question, you know, the, the use of the word impactful, probably not the appropriate use there, but grammarian that she is, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I understand what they mean, but I just simply responded, you know, there is nothing more important that I do than by word and sacrament proclaiming God's grace to poor miserable sinners. That's right. Yeah. I, I mean, it just, it, it does it. And, and, and it's done through our liturgy. It's done through the proclamation of the word and the sermon, the word delivered to you onto your tongue in the Lord's supper. I mean, just, just the word again and again, just lavishing this grace upon you. It's just grace upon grace. Right? Yeah, it's just, isn't it funny? It's so beautiful it's, and humbling at the same time yeah. that if I start looking at any food pantry thing that I start or any other para ministry, you know, thing, which may be good, for us, right, to do as a church. But if I start viewing any of those things as impactful for the ministry, uh, again, ignoring the, the wrong use of that term, <laughs> but uh, um, then, then what God is doing in word and sacrament, uh, we, we, we've misunderstood what's going on yeah. there. All right, sorry to take up the last oh, time. I wish there. I could talk more. Yeah, we'll, we'll have you back on again sometime. <laughs> That's Pastor Ben Ball. He's the senior pastor at Hamill, at St. Paul in Hamill, Illinois. He's also sixth vice president of the Central Region for the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate. Thank you very much for being my, hey, great uh, to have my fellow great confessor to, great to have today. Me on here. Thank you very yes. much. And you, dear listener, if you would like to leave a question or comment for us to address the next time we convene for Concord, you can do so by calling 314-996-1542, email kfuo at kfuo.org, or on social media at kfuo radio. Thanks for stopping by today, and until next time, keep confessing, church. Thank you.